just a reminder, here at That's So Chronic, we are dedicated to sharing personal stories. We are not advocating any type of treatment, therapy, procedure or intervention. Everyone is unique, so please seek professional medical advice before making any decisions for yourself or for others. Welcome to That's So Chronic, the podcast where I, Jess Bryan, interview some incredible people from around the world that are thriving and sometimes only just surviving with chronic illnesses, life-changing injuries and potentially disastrous diagnoses. Today I was able to sit down in person, which feels almost unheard of in this day and age, with Olivia Leonard to discuss her diagnosis of chronic thromboembolic pulmonary hypertension, or CTEPH for short. In this episode, Olivia shares with us the lead up of events that resulted in the doctors finding a blood clot in her lungs, how she manages studying as well as her symptoms, what being diagnosed with CTEPH has taught her about life and the dilemma of being at risk of developing severe illness of COVID-19 while being medically exempt from wearing a mask. If you haven't been following That's So Chronic on Instagram, you might not know that while I was taking a break from uploading, I had still been recording episodes to be a few months ahead when I release new episodes again. So with that being said, just a note that this episode was recorded in October 2021. As always, I would love to know what you think of the episode so don't be afraid to reach out welcome to that's so chronic firstly olivia thank you so much for having me over at your place today i'm so excited to actually be in dunedin and to be recording in person so thank you so much for having me thank you for coming and in sunny dunedin as well (laughs) i know we're looking out the window and there is literally blue sky and i can't remember the last time i was in dunedin where there was blue sky (laughs) so i am so excited now you are just finishing up your degree Mm -hmm. here down in dunedin and you're doing a bachelor of music in Mm -hmm. classical voice Mm -hmm. congratulations on making it this far thank you (laughs) And while you've been studying for this degree, you have been living with a diagnosis of chronic thromboembolic pulmonary hypertension. Mm-hmm. A lot of big words there. Big words. <laughs> and I'm really excited. And that's what we're going to be chatting more about today. Mm-hmm. Now, before we get to the story of how your diagnosis came mm-hmm. to be, I was wondering if it would be possible for you to explain your definition mm-hmm. of chronic thromboembolic <laughs> pulmonary hypertension, maybe CTEF. Is that like the little nickname? I think, I mean, I just say CTEPH, but C-T-E-P-H. that sounds C-T-E-P-H. more convenient. <laughs> CTEF. <laughs> okay, so if we break down mm-hmm. chronic thromboembolic pulmonary mm-hmm. hypertension, we've got chronic, I was doing a lot of Googling about this, we've got chronic, uh-huh. which means like, either lifelong or it mm-hmm. lasts for a long mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. We've then got the thromboembolic, mm-hmm. which, if I turn my notes over, means like a blood clot. Uh-huh. Pulmonary, meaning lungs, mm-hmm. and hypertension, meaning the high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. So essentially, from what I was Googling, and hopefully as a person living with this, uh-huh. you might be able to <laughs> shine a little bit more light. Uh-huh. It is a blood clot in the lungs. Yeah, so for me, my blood clot started in my lungs. Um, I had persistent symptoms for over six months, Okay. which then led to five billion tests 
which gave the diagnosis of the chronic thromboembolic pulmonary hypertension. Okay, yes. Mm -hmm. So let's go all the way back. It's 2018 Mm -hmm. and you've just discovered that something doesn't feel Mm -hmm. quite right Mm -hmm. and you're inspired to start figuring out what's happening to you. Mm -hmm. What what was life looking like in 2018? I started off in Christchurch. I had been on the contraceptive pill since I think 2015. Okay, yeah. Uh, and I studied all day in the library, which was like first and last time that ever happened. Yeah. Um, and I got home and I was starting to get really bad cramps in my calf. Mm-hmm. And I think they're called the Charlie's horse cramps. So they replicate when, like when you're a kid and you get your hand in like in yes. someone's thigh. Yeah. So it's supposed to replicate that feeling. My leg was like two times the size it normally was, but I... I'm the worst human being. I always have just like a she'll be right approach to everything. Yeah. And left it for a few days. Uh, Then I went to get tested and the doctors kind of just thought I had sprained something. Uh I'm a clumsy human. So like it would make sense if that had happened. It wasn't like out of the realm of possibility. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I like because of the pain, I did very gracefully fall downstairs. So they thought that that perhaps was related to my leg pain. Yeah. Yeah, so then I moved down to Dunedin. I was in a hall. I got what many people know as the fresher flu. Yeah. Um, it was bed bound for like a week. And by the time I felt better, I was starting to get the shortness of breath. My heart felt like it was going a billion miles per hour. Right. Uh, like I went to a point where I couldn't walk from my bed to my door in my tiny hall room yeah yeah so while you were in Christchurch and then Mm -hmm. moved down to Dunedin you Mm -hmm. still had this um Mm -hmm. these symptoms in your leg and Mm -hmm. nobody had diagnosed Mm -hmm. it as anything I think my other diagnosis was that again with the clumsy thing I couldn't use my crutches properly oh yeah so it kind of just fell to probably pulling something in my calf (gasps) yeah oh my goodness yeah like I think Another thing as well is just because I was so young, a lot of people don't expect someone who's literally 18 to have a blood clot. Yeah. Even though it is such a common side effect of the pill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you've moved down to Dunedin, mm-hmm. the fresher flu mm-hmm. kicks in. <laughs> yeah. Then what happens next? Uh, so I called Healthline. I was really struggling and they said, you know, in the next hour, you need to go to the ED. Wow. Uh, and again, with my she'll be right attitude, mm-hmm. I thought, okay, so I have an hour. <laughs> um, I'm going to go downstairs, go to the bathroom. I'm going to have a shower, like wash my hair, yeah. maybe shave my legs. <laughs> and then I'll just go straight to the ED. And so I went downstairs. I made it as far as the bathroom, like fully naked in a bathrobe and passed out from like the pressure of peeing on my heart. So oh my <laughs> that was goodness. really fun. How, did yeah. someone find you? Um, so everyone in our hall did the same, like in the little complex I was in, did the same lectures. So I was literally the only person in the building. Oh my um, goodness. Wait, but- so what How did, What happened? <laughs> uh, I remember it was really like blurry, but I remember kind of just asking for help from the bathroom. I mean, I couldn't really go out because no. I was in my bathrobe, um, but someone was using our washing machine. So they came up and found me. They got help. Uh, wow. Yeah. And so then you made it to the ED. Mm-hmm. So I think I was laying in the bathroom or like just outside of the bathroom for an hour or so. <gasps> oh my uh, God, an yeah. hour. Yeah, like trying to get, 
IVs in. I remember looking at one point, my heart rate was like 180 beats per minute from just like laying on the floor. Mm -hmm. I had to get, I think it's pronounced an intraosseous where they like drill into your bones to get fluid, like all of the fun, gross things. And then ended up going to ED. So that was happening on the floor outside of the bathroom. Yeah. In your uni hall. (laughs) In my bathroom. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So it was a very grand entrance for being there like two, three weeks. Yeah. (laughs) And so once, yeah, once you get to the ED and they've Mm -hmm. done these tests, Mm -hmm. were they able to diagnose you? Yeah. Thankfully, they did a CT scan and an x-ray and that showed the blood clot. Okay. Um, And it was quite large. So I was put on heparin for, I think, two hours and then was in hospital for about a week and a half on other blood thinners through a drip. So this is when they found the blood clot in your lungs. Mm -hmm. Did they also, were they also able to tie in what we now know was a blood clot in your leg? Mm -hmm. Are they able to, were they able to tie those two together in that, at that time? I think it took another few months. Okay. Yeah, so I was readmitted. They did an ultrasound of my legs, and then that's when they found the scarring, which kind of looks like a spider web. Oh. Uh, so they're not sure if that dissolved on its own or if it's what moved to my lungs. It's, yeah. I see. And so in the leg, that's the DVT, the mm-hmm. deep vein thrombosis. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. In the hospital, you were able to try... A blood thinner. Mm-hmm. What is the purpose of a blood thinner? Obviously, it's to thin the blood. Mm. But is there, like, why Why is that the medication that you had to try? So after coming off the pill, so the estrogen in the pill, it increases the pro-coagulant factors, which oh. are the things that lead you to get blood clots and reduce the protein S and the antithrombin, which help reduce the risk of clotting so I see I naturally went in with really thick blood there's something going on where my body just doesn't really react to extra amounts of estrogen well so my blood naturally was just a lot thicker than the normal human okay so more likely to clot yeah yeah so it kind of just helped to keep the clots from staying away Mm -hmm. has attempted to dissolve my clot that I have at the moment Okay. Yeah, it's just working its thing. And so when we were chatting before recording this Mm -hmm. at this episode in messages online, Mm -hmm. you said that you actually had to try a variety of Mm -hmm. different blood thinners. Tell us about that. So I started off on one called Rivaroxaban, which I believe is a newer type of blood thinner, and that just for some reason didn't work at all. Like they're not really Ah. sure why. I ended up back in the ED and admitted into hospital another two times with chest pains and having to get all the testing done again. And so I think October 2018, I was moved to Wolfrin. And Wolfrin is confusing. It's very specific with how it's managed. So you have to get blood tests every two, three days to Mm -hmm. see your levels. And then they adjust your dose depending on how thin your blood is okay super confusing and it also didn't work properly for me either right yeah so the start of 2019 I was put on dibigotrin and that's been the one that's kind of worked okay yeah has there been further testing like do you have to get Mm -hmm. tests on your lungs all the time to check how this blood clot is going Mm -hmm. so I they were trying to do something I don't know if I'm going to say right a pulmonary thromboendarterectomy Oh, okay, I love this. (laughs) Which is a surgery where they remove the clots from the lungs. It's done like 
barely done in New Zealand. Oh. There's one guy who flies over from Melbourne who does it. Wow. Yeah. So it's like a super rare thing. It's a really tedious surgery. I think it's done in 20 minute intervals. Wow. But it's crazy. And that's to remove uh-huh. the blood clot. Mm-hmm. So I went through all the testing for that, but because my clotting is too far out and it's in like the narrower areas, I wasn't able to do that. Yeah. So it's just a lot of scans, a lot of like echoes, six minute walks, which are my least favorite of them all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and x-rays. Okay. Yeah. What are they managing? What are they looking for when they do these tests? Is there a sense of what the future is mm-hmm. going to be like seeing as you might not be able to do this surgery? It's really hard, I think. Like, they're trying to explore options. So they go through Melbourne is another main area where they okay. look at the CTEPH as well as in San Diego. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's very small areas that look into it. But, yeah, yeah so I am constantly getting monitored from those two places as well. Okay. But I think the main thing they do is the six-minute walks because that kind of determines my oxygen levels and to see how I breathe when moving around Mm -hmm. as well as doing the CT scans just to see if my clotting is still there if it's starting to go away if it's looking worse yeah Yeah. so what would be your symptoms I guess going back to the symptoms when you didn't know you Mm -hmm. didn't have a diagnosis Mm -hmm. and the symptoms that you have now Mm-hmm. what were those symptoms for you for my dvt like i mentioned i had the cramping my yeah. leg was massive it was hot to touch and then when it moved into my lungs initially i used to get really bad chest pain so it was central and then it kind of went to my side like around my ribs and through to my back okay i would get heart palpitations my heart would be racing it was really inconsistent heartbeat i would get hot and cold flashes really dizzy there was the fainting in the bathroom uh but now I think for me the main thing I deal with is the shortness of breath and living in Dunedin where there's hills it makes it (laughs) a lot worse yeah yeah but I think that's for me the main thing I struggle with occasionally my heart will be racing or it will be like palpitating but yeah the main thing is the breathlessness and then going into doing the music at uni and doing shows yeah Yeah. I was going to say with shortness of breath being Mm -hmm. such a major symptom Mm -hmm. how does that (laughs) fit into studying classical voice (laughs) at university and being a singing teacher my I'm really lucky to have a really supportive teacher Tessa they are super helpful like I'll go in and be like look it's not a good not a good long day yeah <laughs> um and we'll just do a lot more relaxing things as opposed to hard out singing yeah and then going in and doing shows as well like I've just done lemurs in May mm-hmm. and again everyone was so supportive if there were times where I was like hey yeah. today I can't breathe they would just be really good about it it was hard wearing oh my gosh I have the hiccups it was hard wearing like massive skirts and running upstairs but yeah it's just, yeah, I'm so grateful that I'm surrounded by so many supportive and amazing people who just respect that some days I can't breathe. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know anything about blood clots before this happened to you? Absolutely not. I 
remember getting when I first went on the pill seeing the massive pamphlet of like everything that can go wrong and and it is massive I know it is a lot of pages (laughs) and it's the text is tiny I know and so I would just skim it and then get rid of it and be like you know like this is so unlikely to happen yeah and again like I'm so bad I'll just be like I'll be fine like nothing will happen yeah uh and so you know when I got the clot in my legs and had all the symptoms of that I totally agreed with the doctors I was like you know I did fall downstairs yeah because of the pain I probably did just pull something and it's just so rare and people don't expect someone so young to have serious blood clot problems yeah and it's not only reflected in like friends but also going to doctors and I'm like, hey, I'm on Prodaxa because I have this massive blood clot in my lungs. Yeah. And it's always the, like, hand touch and, but you're so young. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, it happens. Like, it's it's a side effect. It's common. But, yeah. Have you met anybody or connected with anybody who has CTEPH as well? Not in New Zealand. I haven't met anyone in New Zealand who's had blood clots or CTPH. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, there are a lot of pages on like Facebook okay. of people. Um, most of them are in San Diego, so it's slightly different experiences, but I have been able, thankfully, to reach out to a couple of people who have had the same thing where it developed from being on the pill and yeah. had the pulmonary embolism, which was further diagnosed to CTEPH. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. What have been the benefits of being able to connect with these people online? I think it's good to just see what other people go through because it's such a strange yeah. disease really and it's not investigated so much in Australia and New Zealand. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so it's nice to see people who have in particular had the PT surgery when that was something that was being investigated for me and seeing their recovery. Uh, One of them was also a muso, so it was good to see how they were able to heal and get back into music. But yeah, I'm just so grateful that there are people out there who have gone through the same thing and who are comfortable sharing their knowledge to kind of help others. Mm-hmm. When you reached out to me and I started doing a little bit more research, mm-hmm. really just on Google, trying <laughs> to find out uh-huh. what uh, CTEPH is, mm-hmm. I was realizing that I really, I just have absolutely no idea mm-hmm. how the heart even works <laughs> and uh-huh. what goes on. And I was thinking, I mean, this is probably, this is my very quick explanation mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. what I've written down. But if someone's listening and they're thinking like, lungs oxygen (laughs) shortness of breath Uh blood clot I thought I would maybe just explain it a Mm -hmm. little bit bit of my findings and I learned that the heart has four chambers so Mm -hmm. we've got the left and the right side of the heart and on the left side there's two chambers the Mm -hmm. uh, atrium and the ventricle and the same on the right Mm -hmm. so on the left side of the heart it's pumping blood to all the arteries so Mm -hmm. oxygen can go to all of the cells and the tissues and also so that nutrients can be transported through Mm -hmm. the blood as well And that needs a lot of pressure for that blood to leave the heart and go everywhere because, I mean, the heart to the toes is, like, Mm. quite a long distance. So that needs a lot of pressure. And that's what they're testing when they do, like, a blood pressure test. Mm -hmm. And then when the blood comes back, it's coming back to the right-hand side. Mm -hmm. And so once it's delivered all the oxygen, it returns to the right side and then it pumps the blood to your lungs. Mm -hmm. And so... Because the lungs are so close to the heart, that doesn't need like the same amount of pressure 
as the left side Mm -hmm. and that pressure is called the pulmonary pressure Mm -hmm. and that's measured a little bit differently to to blood pressure and so because when the heart is bringing the blood to the lungs if there's a blood clot in there and Mm -hmm. there's like scarring that's happening around that that can make that like it needs more pressure Mm -hmm. to be able to get to Mm -hmm. the lungs so far does this sound like it's making sense Uh and so then because it needs more pressure the heart can be working overtime Mm -hmm. and I'm assuming that's why sometimes the heart palpitations happen or Mm -hmm. or why your heart rate was yeah Yeah. like 180 when you're just lying on the ground Mm -hmm. kind of thing and so because of that and how how fast the heart is having to pump to try and get the blood to the lungs sometimes the oxygen that like that whole process doesn't work very fast and so mm-hmm. the oxygen doesn't quite like get everywhere that it needs to go mm-hmm. and so yeah when I was learning all of this and I was just thinking like classical voice <laughs> like this is so incredible <laughs> that you have been able to find a way to mm-hmm. make that work and then I guess what it brought up when I was researching all of this is that this is actually like a really big deal right mm-hmm. and for doctors to kind of have like missed this and for this to have happened like how does that make you feel I think it's kind of given me a more of like trust in my own body and to just listen to myself um because I have since been told like if I have any chest pains just go to ED right and so I think yeah it's just listening to my body especially because for me my blood clot is literally in the pulmonary artery like it's yeah right off the bat where the blood is trying to get to yeah so you know if I have any issues with chest pains or shortness of breath I kind of now know sometimes she won't be right like yeah and just go to the ED but I don't know I guess it's kind of helped me to learn more about myself and my body and to just trust that you know I'm the only one that knows my body sometimes I might seem crazy being like look (laughs) everything hurts my lungs hurt, I can't breathe, like, yeah. please help me, but, you know, it's like, I kind of have to do these things, because I know what's going on. Are there any special considerations that you have had to adapt in your day-to-day life to help manage this? I think, for me, slowing down, I, before getting this diagnosis, I used to just want to be doing everything, I was doing, like, marching and dancing, yeah. and just yeah, like it's been hard, but having to step back just so I can take care of myself because, you know, some days literally getting dressed is like the hardest part of my day. Yeah. So uh, yeah, slowing down, just trying to breathe. And how does that look being at university? I can only imagine that, yeah, a lot of people that live with chronic illness diagnoses Mm -hmm. and they are studying and Mm -hmm. or they really want to go to university and the thought of slowing down Mm -hmm. When you think of uni, especially first year uni, mm-hmm. that seems like a real juxtaposition and a yeah. little bit of a contradiction <laughs> to how that works. Uh-huh. How have you found studying and just being able to, I guess, keep up with the people around you that are in your class? It's been hard, I think, um, especially adapting to it in my first year and trying to be able to navigate doing you know, a massive recital at the yeah. end of the year when I was learning how to breathe properly Mm -hmm. Uh, so it was really hard it was really hard to get used to but you know again my classmates are so supportive it's a really small class so everyone kind of knows like 
sometimes Olivia can't breathe. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it was hard to let go of the control, I think, of wanting to do everything and yeah. be involved with so much to just kind of getting through uni and learning how to navigate around this new illness to then be able to pick stuff back up. With the blood thinners that mm-hmm. you're taking, how do you take those? Is it a pill? Mm-hmm. So I take, I think it's 150 milligrams and I take it twice a day. Okay. Yeah. So initially in the hospital, it was pumping it through an IV to just try and get my blood as thin as possible. Mm-hmm. But now it's super manageable. I just take a pill. I go see my GP every three months to get my prescription renewed and it just works really well. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And so after those, like the couple of admissions into hospital that Mm -hmm. you had at the beginning, have you had, have you had to go back to the ED at all? Moving on to my new blood thinners, I think I've only been two or three times, which is really lucky. I don't think I've been since the end of last year, which is good. Amazing. Yeah. So I do get constant like calls from doctors up in Auckland and from my doctor down here as well in Dunedin just to kind of check in to see what's going on. But again, that's super good. If I feel like I'm having issues, I'll just call them. Mm -hmm. If they think it's serious, they'll make room to see me. But at the moment, it's kind of just manageable, which in a way is kind of scary because people with CTEPH do have like a lower survival rate and quality of life. But, you know, like at the moment, I'm just very like complacent with what's going on. When you reached out to me, there was a statistic. I think mm. you said that one person every six minutes dies mm-hmm. of this, which is just, that is, that's huge to have to mm-hmm. process and come yeah. to terms with, especially like that doc- doctor was saying, holding your hand when you're so young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think being a young person and seeing, you know, I think it's like a 30% mortality rate if your pulmonary embolism is left undiagnosed. Okay. And then with the CTPH on top of it, because, you know, your heart is working so hard yeah. that I think it's like 50% survival rate over 10 years of having wow. the disease. So it's really crazy to think about that. And it's really like eye-opening. And I don't think I realized the seriousness of it until kind of googling it which probably wasn't the best thing to do straight away but googling it and you know investigating it further and realizing like you know this is quite serious Mm -hmm. and it's something that I didn't know about coming into like taking the pill and wasn't 100% aware of to now have like cool so you might only have 10 years left wow yeah yeah that's a lot to have Mm -hmm. to get your head around yeah (laughs) has it changed anything in your life or how you look at life I think like just being appreciative and grateful and like surrounding myself with positive people who you know like aren't negatively impacting my life in any way yeah you know like I think living down in Dunedin there are so many students and so many people wanting to do all these crazy things but I think for me like something important was just settling down and finding a person and just yeah being around really happy and positive people yeah Mm -hmm. which is so important Mm -hmm. we are of course living in the middle of a global pandemic Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I'm wondering whether the onset of Mm COVID-19 and especially the Delta variant Mm -hmm. 
How do you feel about that? Is there any extra precautions <laughs> mm. or has it changed the game at all? It was hard because when, like, I literally had just flown up to Auckland to see the surgeon about the PTE surgery and the likelihood of that, I think, like, two weeks before wow. New Zealand had the first case. So I have a doctor, Tanya, up in Auckland who I've only seen on zoom yeah <laughs> um and i was supposed to have so many appointments with her that have just been zoom appointments because i can't fly up yeah but for me personally it's really hard it's kind of contradictory because like i am classified as someone who's high risk yeah but then because i have lung problems and can't breathe i'm also on the other side of the spectrum where i am medically exempt from wearing a mask yeah. so it's like yeah. I'm more likely to get really unwell from COVID, but then I also can't wear a mask because I yeah. can't breathe. Yeah. <laughs> Have you had any instances where people just haven't been able to understand why you're not wearing a mask? Yeah, like I, it depends where I am. Like if I'm just going on like a little window shopping spree or something, I don't know, I'll just wear my mask because I don't want to look like a dick. Yeah. But if it's the likes of a supermarket, you know, like I really struggle getting around the whole supermarket yeah. and then having this mask on my face yeah. is really like hard for me to breathe. So I think it's just, I don't know, like there's a lot of dirty looks and there's a lot of people who will be like, hey, like you're not supposed to be wearing a mask. And like, oh, I have this like they, card yeah. that tells me I'm medically exempt. I'm really sorry. Like I'm fully vaccinated, all of the things, but I just can't breathe. Yeah. So a lot of the time people are good about it. If there's staff at the door, often they'll page other members of the staff and just be like, hey, there's a girl coming in who isn't in a mask. It's totally fine. But it is just, you know, the other people think straight away they see someone in a mask and it's like they don't believe in COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Which is hard, but I guess it's kind of... Yeah. Yeah. I think I saw a headline. um, I can't remember what, like, newspaper it was for about all these anti-COVID mm-hmm. people have been, like, getting those exemption cards. Yeah. Or or making, like, mm-hmm. false ones. It's like, I rem- do, remember when it was just a fake ID to, <laughs> like, go into a nightclub. Like, that's uh-huh. all that you need. Now it's, like, a fake ma- no-mask <laughs> exemption uh-huh. card. But, like, that is absolutely wild. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important to be able to share, like, your perspective of mm-hmm. it for for people who, yeah, might be – walking around the supermarket and they see someone not wearing a mask Mm -hmm. and not just immediately judge that person Mm -hmm. because we actually just have no idea what's Mm -hmm. going on behind Mm -hmm. someone's mask or lack of mask. (laughs) So I guess we're nearing the end of 2021. Mm -hmm. How are things feeling for you? I mean, I think it's okay. Again, I just feel really complacent in myself and where things are at. There's starting to get a little talk of going and doing some type of stent to open up arteries. I mean, I don't know. It's such a confusing surgery that I just am not like going anywhere near the Google for. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's talk of flying over and possibly doing that. But it's just so hard with like all of the crazy like apocalypse of COVID to... (laughs) find out like what I can do would that be in Melbourne or San Diego Melbourne okay yeah I mean San Diego would be great yeah but (laughs) Melbourne's pretty good too it's nice and warm Um, good coffee (laughs) exactly so yeah there's talk of that but it's just so hard to be able to get 
the proper testing when I can't see one of my main doctors. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of specialist does this all fall under? It's like a weird mixture. So there is, I think it's like the Pulmonary Hypertension Society of Australia and New Zealand. So I know that my doctor, Tanya, up in Auckland is a part of that society and she looks at respiratory and cardiology right I see yep yeah and then my doctor Ben down here he is respiratory mm-hmm. so he mainly does stuff around like asthma and things like that which in a weird way can tie in with pulmonary embolisms but I mean they've both been fantastic yeah yeah so it's just like a weird combination of the two I can only imagine down here in Dunedin there is um if people are listening and they're not familiar the the medical school is amazing mm-hmm. down here mm-hmm. in Otago. Has anyone ever reached out to you and been like, oh, I want to know more about this? Yeah, so I have, like, when my doctor has done rounds when I've been admitted or if I'm doing testing one day, he'll often always have students. So there's been yeah. quite a lot of time where there's been, like, five or six med students asking me <laughs> all of these questions. I've been someone's report about something. Wow. Yeah, like I mentioned before we started, I had a squeaky heart for a few weeks. <laughs> so that was, like, a really big thing in the med students' reports. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, again with them, it's, like, realizing the different ways that it can affect a younger person. Yeah. Right? So, like, for me my periods are like 1 million percent different after being on blood thinners. Of course, yeah, I didn't uh-huh. even think of that. Yeah, and it's like my doctor said as well, you know, I would never think of that because I don't really ever see a young person with yeah. a blood clot and on blood thinners. So it's like, well, it happens. Yeah. Yeah, it's different, but I guess it's just one of those things you have to deal with to get the proper treatment, so... And I think that's why it's just so important to share our stories. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people would fall into that category of of thinking, yeah, this is never going to happen to me. Like reading the side effect sheets and Uh thinking, you know, and it's such a New Zealand attitude. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Of like, she'll be right. Uh But yeah, I just want to thank you so much for sharing your story with me and with everybody listening today because I think, yeah, spreading awareness Mm -hmm. that these things do happen and I think even just living my own life and Mm -hmm. chatting to so many people, I'm realizing that, yeah, these things do happen Mm -hmm. at the most random times when you're least (laughs) expecting them. Uh Even when you're, I say in inverted commas, too young Mm -hmm. for anything like this to happen. So thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you. And thank you for listening to another episode of That's So Chronic. Your support truly means the world. I always love seeing where you're listening in from, so feel free to upload a picture to your Instagram stories and tag me at That's So Chronic so I can see this week. You can also find me over on TikTok, same handle, at That's So Chronic. If you're new around here, don't forget to press follow on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And whether you're new or you are a long-time listener, I always really appreciate a five-star review. Believe it or not, that actually really helps That's So Chronic get into more ears around the world to hopefully spread awareness and, more importantly, hope. Thank you so much.